I think sometimes in wine we talk a lot too much about communication and, and actually before you even start creating anything, whether it's a social media campaign or whether it's a, a you know content marketing or any of that, the first thing is to find out who your audience is, who is the right person for your wine and direct everything towards them. Hi, welcome to the Wine, Whiskey and Beat Show. In this episode, I sit with Felicity Carter and talk about how to communicate your wine brand effectively. So Felicity, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Sid. I've always been a big fan of your writing and communications, and I think we know each other for almost like six years now, and you were also our first speaker at our first trade show that we did in New York, I think five years ago. Yeah, that was a wonderful event. Yep, wonderful event. And, and t- from that point, I mean, you, you talk very straight to the point, which makes you a very powerful communicator, right? So for the people who don't know who you are, Felicity, uh, can you please tell them about yourself? Certainly. Um, okay, so I'm an Australian journalist, as you can probably tell by my accent, but I live and I work in Germany. I work for a German publisher called Meininger Verlag, which is one of the most prominent medium-sized publishers in the country, and it's uh, Europe's biggest dedicated wine and spirits uh, media publishing house. So we have competitions, we have exhibitions, we have trade shows, and we have uh, eight or so regular magazines plus other um occasional magazines and my magazine is called Mining as Wine Business International. It's published in English and we're sort of the economist of wine. We look at international uh, wine trends. Um, so yeah, that's who we are. Fantastic. So I think, uh, how, how long have you been doing this for? 12 years. It was a one-year contract, but every year, every year I think, oh, should I go home? But uh, every year something new and interesting comes up. So <laughs> here I am. It- it's fascinating. I think it's so hard to put that, especially for myself, for example, it's so hard to put that discipline in uh, writing it right every single piece every day and not, not you know, getting the pressure of that push and marketing and advertisement sort of message. It's fantastic that, you know, every, every day you are, you know, still uh, focused on the journalistic approach, which is, I mean, pretty much you are born journalist writer. Uh, which is, if you think about the marketing world, this is where it's all again coming back to. Like, you know, people are uh, reverting back to the news and the journalist sort of content instead of more of an advertisement sort of content. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. Yep. So what what are you working on this day's Felicity, may, I may ask? You mean what I'm working on right now or what I'm working on uh, generally? Um, today, yeah, I'm... Generally, like any, any particular project or today or this week? Well, we have an online magazine. We have the online website, uh, which I'm in the process of growing. So we've just put a lot more budget into that. Um, so I'm spending I'm spending a lot of time and money building our, our web presence. Um, and of course, there's the, the normal magazine. So my day is basically commissioning writers. We have about 30 writers around the world um, asking them to write things or looking at what they've picked up in their countries and, and working out whether it would work well on the web or whether it would work well in the magazine. Um, I've done quite a bit of work on trying to understand who our readers are. I think that's that's a key that is very overlooked in wine is you have to understand who particularly is going to drink your wine and then everything that you do is geared towards communicating with that person, not with just sort of general people. True, agreed. So I think, uh, you know, uh, bringing back to our topic, like how to communicate your wine brand effectively, you know, what? how, do you, how does Felicity Carter define communication? 
Oh, well, I mean, it's a big it's a big word that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, I, I, I'm much more interested in, in miscommunication and how you avoid miscommunication. Um, I think communication means basically people understanding each other uh, and, and building a connection. And uh, but within that, there's there's layers upon layers upon layers of of that. So I think in terms of professional communication, where you know somebody is putting out a piece of content or an article or whatever there's only really reason two reasons why you would bother doing it one is that you've got something um urgent that you need to say and the other is that your audience needs to hear it either needs or wants to hear it and if if those conditions don't apply then you're wasting your time absolutely so i think uh, do you do you do you think that written uh visual and audio uh, there are three formats of communications uh, to, you know, communicate. Yes, I mean, what's really interesting is we're living in a moment where the audio is becoming a lot more important. If you look at the rise of things like smart speakers, it's and if you look at the the way technology is evolving, it's very clear that our future is probably going to be voice activated, and so more and more communication is going to be done with people speaking and that changes the way that you communicate and that changes the way that you write and so on. But text, text, pictures and audio are always going to be important. Absolutely. So I think that that, that was uh, sort of my uh, next question where, you know, uh, where do you see the shift in communications? And as you've answered, it's pretty much the audio, right? So for example, if you had to write a story or storytell or communicate in the written format, you know, what are the different elements uh, that you would look for in a written communications piece versus, let's say, a winery trying to craft their audio story? Okay, well, there's lots of different elements to that. It depends on where it's going to end up. So, first of all, I've done lots of storytelling workshops with, with winemakers and wine producers. And your first your first thing is you don't think about how you're going to communicate it. That comes later. First of all, you think about what, what is your story? What is it that you have to say that is unique to you? So, most wineries, unfortunately, think they're telling a story, but they're not. They, they say the usual, um, you know, we're a family-owned company and our wine is made in the vineyard and, you know, we're passionate about wine and that's not telling a story and it's not even giving facts that are specific enough to relate to you. So first of all, that's number one is work out what your story is and what you actually have to say. And then the second thing is when you're working out how you communicate that story, you have to think about how your audience is going to uh, be receiving it. So for many winemakers now, the most important thing they can do is craft a 10-minute talk because they have to go to winemaking dinners and have to stand up and introduce their wines to an audience who's seated and thinking about food so that's really important that they can they can do the sort of 10 minute um, the 10 minute talk and keep an audience engaged then there's the second thing which is social media of course um, how you're going to visually talk about your brand and here again a lot of people make mistakes where they a lot of people spend a lot of money on uh, things like photography of vineyards or photography of barrels and stuff and, and that's that's wasted money because everybody has vineyards and barrels and so you're not doing anything that's specific to you. And the third thing is when you put something down in writing, now you've got to have two other things in mind, which is not just your audience. You've also got to think about how Google search is interpreting your words. And secondly, with the rise of smart speakers, if somebody asks Alexa a question, is Alexa going to be able to read out your article in a way that will be uh, interesting and intelligible to the person who's receiving it? Fantastic. So I think I think what you're saying is also uh, I can 
I can add some value to the audience as well. Anyway, you are doing your wine tasting dinner or a Friday tasting in a store, it may be a good idea to sort of uh, wear a microphone and record whichever format you can. At least you have the audio piece of it or even a film because the communications and the platforms are changing. And I think uh, 70% of the consumption is sort of uh, in a passive tone, meaning multitasking or audio or video, you know. So I think I think uh, wineries don't need to really think of how to create, but at least whatever they're doing, they got to start, I think, documenting or recording, which they can easily transcribe into audio or video piece. Yes, the, the most the key with all of this is to know your audience. Who is who are you speaking to, and why are you speaking to them? Um, I think if people ask themselves those questions before they do anything, that will sort out a lot of of what their next steps are. True. True. Uh, so bringing back to the most important, I think, uh, piece of, uh, you know, marketing that wineries are trying to market is the wine label. So what is a good wine label to you? A, wine, a good wine label is one that will stand out in a store that may have two or 300 bottles of wine in there. So a typical retail store, a typical big one uh, that specializes in wine will, will have about 300 SKUs and they'll all be lined up on the shelves. So your label has to jump out in that sea of other labels. So, you know, when people think that they're going to do a nice delicate etching, is that going to jump out at somebody when they walk into the store? So that's that's the thing that you have to think of, first of all, is is it eye-catching? Um, and secondly, so it has to be very high quality, very, very eye-catching. Um, and then does it communicate what's inside? And does it communicate something about you? And again, this is, this is an area for professionals. This is where you really need to speak to somebody who's a professional uh, designer and not just somebody who is a designer, but somebody who understands the retail environment. Got it, got it. Uh, like what, what are, you know, uh, for example... Uh there is a written word to the label as well. And then there is there is the graphic side of things, right? So uh, do you think that graphic designers uh, need a little help of great professional communicators to sort of even craft that tasting note, which is on the back side of the label, or even, you know, how the font of uh, that vintage is written? Like how, how much of an important uh, the written... Uh, experience is on communicating that message which is put on the wine label by the designer? It, look, it really depends what it is that you're trying to sell. If it's a bottle of sparkling wine, it could be that the bottle itself or the foil colour that you put on it is doing all the work for you. Um, again, if it's if it's rosé, people are doing amazing work with, with interesting bottle shapes that make people just want to pick up that bottle. So you don't have to do that much. Uh, if you're in a very, very crowded area of the wine store, then um, you know, a, a, good, a good designer understands all of this. You know, a, a good person, like there's a lot of, a, a lot of really fantastic label designers in, in Germany and Italy who understand this back to front. And there's a really good agency in Mendoza in Argentina that's famous for this as well. But um, the, the, the other thing is the back label copy is a really good chance for the winemaker to explain the wine in words, to, to use really um, concise, concrete language to explain what's going to be in the bottle. And that's, that's an opportunity that not many people make enough of. Agreed, agreed. So I think uh, back to, you know, our... Uh uh, marketing side of things, uh, you know, when you want to get the message out, uh, be it in the form of let's let's assume it's a written piece or a newsletter or a press release that's going out. 
you know, how do you get uh, your targeted audience attention? Let's say in this case, it is the trade that I'm trying to attract to. You know, what are the elements that can get their attention in my communications piece? Oh, well, there's, there's two answers. One is a simple answer and one is a complicated answer. To take the complicated answer first, if you want to get somebody's attention, there's all sorts of things that you can do in terms of um, making sure that you've got SEO keywords and you've got your Google search terms right and you've got your headline right and you can do all sorts of things like that. That's a complicated answer. The simple answer, which holds true regardless of which media you're working in, um, is that you just simply have to understand your audience. You have to know what it is that your audience wants and like I said, there's only there's only two reasons why you should be doing anything. One is because you've created something that is shareable, that people will want to talk about, that they just find really interesting, that they want to pass along. And the other is because it's important for your audience to know about it. And if you if you if you stick to that rule, then whatever you do, it will land effectively. Um, if you violate that rule, then you might as well not have bothered because nobody will read it or see it or watch it. Agreed, agreed. I think it's, it's really about them, correct? I think it's really reverse engineering uh, what they want to hear and uh, if it's valuable to them. Super. Uh, is there any like tip on, you know, uh, people, people start well, let's say there's a strong headline, strong image. They start with a great introduction paragraph. But is there any like tactic that you use in the middle of an article to hold someone's attention or... It's just a natural, you never pay attention to those kind of things where, okay, I've got you here, but now the later half, I really want my reader to pay attention to. So let me insert some strong data points or some hacks. The, the only hack that's worth doing is, is actually just writing something interesting. If, if somebody is a good writer or a good communicator or a good photographer or a good YouTuber or whatever, um, they, they know how to they know how to do that. One is you don't wear your audience out. So you don't go on and on and on. You get straight to the point. And that's really important digitally. The other thing, if you're working, um, if you're working digitally versus print, is that in uh, people think that the reason people click off is they have low attention span. But it's actually not. It's that when you're working digitally, people's comprehension goes down. So when you're in print, people are actually able to absorb the message much more than they are when they're reading on a screen. And if they're on a desktop, they can read more if it's on a mobile they can read even less so this has to change the way that you communicate so if you're if you're communicating something that is going to be read on mobile you've got to get straight to the point you can't have any um, waffle you can't have any extra stuff and then what you've got to do is the next point that you make it's got to follow very logically from what came before so that's what's called transition how you get from one point to another and making sure that your transitions work is what will keep people reading or watching or scrolling or whatever and that's often where people fall down is that um, you know they, they, they waffle they write stuff that's not really central to the main point if you keep it tight if you keep it all really together and it you know one thing logically flows in front of the other you can actually keep reading people reading for up to 10,000 words it's not length that determines whether somebody will keep reading it's how interesting it is you're right absolutely spot on i think i think uh there is this a big shift of uh talent is important in the creative now going on like it's the volume game is over and i think people are paying attention and paying even great communicators storytellers uh creative people uh, because that's where the unique and that's where the difference is going to be for the next decade i think what's what's your comment on that I think some things are universal. I agree with you. The volume game is 
it's it's pointless and it's just lots and lots of um, duck paddling for no good reason. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, one thing one thing that hasn't changed is high quality will always win, always. And if you look at the media that survived um, and thrived in this terrible media landscape, either you do you know, clickbait that everybody can't help clicking on, which is fairly low value, but very entertaining. Or you do very, very high quality content that can't be found anywhere else. And if you can do that, you'll be okay. Great. So uh, some super points. Any closing uh, remarks for the wine marketers, Felicity? Yes, um, I think sometimes in wine we talk a lot too much about communication and, and actually before you even start creating anything, whether it's a social media campaign or whether it's a, uh, you know, content marketing or any of that, the first thing is to find out who your audience is, who is the right person for your wine and direct everything towards them. Super, fantastic. So uh, I'm sure uh, people will find value in this. Thanks a lot, Felicity. Thank you again for joining the Wine, Whiskey and Weed Show. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. See you next week.